Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise Can I ask the question that Brother Kilmore used to ask all the time? Has God been good to anybody here? Remember his second question? Who's he been the best to? That doesn't cause God any kind of heart failure, panic attacks, or apprehension. For us to think that He likes me more than anybody else. The scripture declares to delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The literal translation of that passage of Scripture says, let oneself be spoiled by Yahweh. God enjoys spoiling His children. And He loves us unconditionally. There's just none like Him. What an honor to be in His presence tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Joshua, 5th chapter. I'll begin reading the 8th verse. But Joshua chapter 5. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn on the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you from just one word, and that is voices. I want to talk to you about voices and who you are allowing to speak into your life. What voices are we listening to? The most important voice to listen to is His. But we have allowed our world to start affecting us a little bit. And we get confused by those voices that feed fear, doubt, cause us to panic that's not the will of God God's will is for us to have a life that's totally victorious God didn't save us just to get by you're not going to barely make it in you know when I was a kid we used to sing a song 
long time ago about a cabin in the corner of glory land. Well, you don't have no cabin in God's house. God has prepared a new Jerusalem for us. We don't even know how to describe it. Paul tried but couldn't do it. So for a few moments tonight, let me talk to you about voices. Lord bless you, you may be seated. Before I begin tonight, let me say how great an honor it is just to be here and be at home and to enjoy being at home. Uh, this is the longest time I haven't traveled in a long time, probably 30 years. And I've enjoyed being at home, enjoyed being with my wife, and uh, she's tried to convert me to coffee, <laughs> but I still can't handle that stuff. <laughs> and so I have my Dr. Pepper while she has her coffee, and we sit around our breakfast table and talk, and it's, it's just been enjoyable. It's good to be here with God's family tonight. And I, I hope tonight that I can help you to truly discover who you really are and who He is. And God's plan and desire for our lives. God's plan is not chaos. God doesn't live in chaos. Humans are the only creatures that live in chaos. And most of that chaos is created by us. I've discovered after working with people for 30-something years now that some people don't know how to live without chaos. So if there's no chaos around, they've got to create something so they can have chaos. And they wouldn't know how to live a life where there wasn't fighting and, and turmoil. Or, they don't know how that works. I, I guess I've had too much time to listen to the radio over the last few weeks. And there are days it's so irritating I just turn it off because I'm thinking... How mindless have we become? And if you have read the book, you know what the ending is. We know the outcome of this. And our whole purpose of being here is for that end. That end is going to happen, whether it's in my lifetime or your lifetime. We don't know, but there is an end coming. But when that end happens, it's really not the end. It's just the beginning of a life of eternity that all of us will get to enjoy because we're His children. And according to the Word of God, that when that day happens, then we will reign as kings and priests, and we, we will get to enjoy things. Now, you, you may not have the curiosity that I have. I, 
I need to find out how things work and what makes them work. That's just my nature. And so heaven to me is finding out how God did all this, how all this works. If you've ever looked at some of the photographs that they've taken of, of what the universe looks like, what a small glimpse of eternity looks like, it's breathtaking to see what's there that, that he created and we get to enjoy it. I had a dear friend who was a medical doctor that we had several conversations. He lived in the state of Ohio. He was part of the Smucker family. And we, we used to talk about what God has done. He was an MD internist and so we had some really interesting conversations. I love to just sit and talk to him, but we, we were talking about what, what's eternity like? And he said, you know, if you look at the, the, the size of the universe and man and, and where we're at in connection to all of this, we're a very, very tiny thing. But he said, if, if we could blow up an atom, large enough that the electrons were the size of a quarter. The space in between all of that is like they would be making an orbit bigger than the state of Texas. And here the center is just this small moment. That's God's universe. He said, I think that one of the things going to happen to us when we get a new body is we, we, we're just going to get to realign some atoms at times and we can walk. We'll, we'll be in one place for and can be somewhere else instantly. It's already happened once. In the book of Acts, Stephen is, is caught away and, and he winds up beside the road and here comes the Ethiopian eunuch and how did he get there? There wasn't no aircraft picked him up. There was something happened and he's transformed from where he was at to this place. That's happened. God has prepared for us the greatest experience we could ever enjoy in our lives. But unfortunately today, voices are getting us distracted from what God's plan is for our life. The passage of Scripture I've read to you tonight is a very incredible passage of Scripture. My brothers preached on it the previous two Wednesday nights. and I, As I was reading it a few months ago, I, I thought maybe I need to find out more about what was happening here and where this place was at. So I, I just started researching and discovered that Jericho was a very unique city. Jericho is actually the oldest inhabited city that exists in the entire world. It has been inhabited as a city since the garden. 
Shortly after the garden, Jericho becomes a city. Jericho was not a city of military might or power. They didn't create great armies. They didn't go to war with people. Jericho is built in the Jordan Valley. And it's built on the west side of the Jordan River. It's built on a small hill overlooking the Jordan Valley. And when the city was built, the inhabitants of the city thought that they wanted to do something that would cause people to stop, pay attention, and and look at them and be recognized for their achievement. And so after a lot of, of debate and conversations, they they decide to build a city that has a wall around it. And what we don't understand is that wall was never built for protection. It wasn't a wall that was used to fortify the city. It's built on a hill, so the wall starts and it was only, uh, from what I can gather, maybe 20 feet at the most in height. So it wasn't so monumental that an army could not penetrate it. And contrary to what you may have heard, that wall wasn't very thick. It was only, it, it was almost came to a point and it tapered out to the base. It was built so that when people walked through the valley along the Jordan River, where all commerce migrated from Egypt to Mesopotamia to other areas of the world of that day, when they passed the city, they would just look at this city and say, wow, look what they did. It was a city that was built to impress people. That was its only function. In the middle of it, there's a tower. The tower's not built on the edge so that it gives them the ability to see if an enemy's coming because they didn't really care if the enemy came. It's it's built so that at a certain time of the day, that tower cast a shadow over the entire city. And it gave it shade in the daytime. And they just wanted people who came by to look at them and say, Wow, look what man has done. Can you believe this incredible feat they have built or created? It was an awe of man, not an awe of God. Now, Gilgal is less than a two miles from Jericho. Jericho's up on the hill. Gilgal's down the hill a little ways. And it's at Gilgal that Israel brings the stones out of the Jordan River that was collected when 
God stopped the waters, and they brought them to Gilgal and erected an altar there. And it only had one purpose. And that purpose was, it was a monument so that in the future, when one of their children or their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren walked by and saw the, the stone stack, they'd ask a question. And the question is, what are these for? What, what does this mean? Dad, tell me about, st- why are there stones here? What, what's the purpose of these stones? Was it used as an altar? No. It's just 12 stones stacked in a, a, a pyramid shape so that it was recognizable as a place that they could come to and remember what God did for them. It, this is a place where you remember how God brought them out and what God did for them through this whole process. But it was also at this place that if Joshua hadn't have been listening to God, it could have been the end of Israel. Because Moses didn't seem to think it necessary to instruct the people to keep the covenant. So from the time they leave Egypt and they start wandering through the wilderness or the desert and they see all of God's miracles, there was no covenant kept during that period of time. So children are born and they don't bear the mark of the covenant that their fathers had, that they had in Egypt. And so for 40 years they wander through that wilderness and, and finally they come to Jordan and they cross and God says, you're not going past this point without making that covenant and, and reconnecting to the covenant that I have created for you. And that covenant was to show them, it was a sign to them of the promises God had made them and what God was going to do them for them. And so for 40 years, they, they thought it wasn't important to do anything about this covenant. And God says, you can't go past here without recommitting to the covenant. So Joshua requires all of the males that have not been circumcised and all of those who came out of Egypt have died. So this is everybody born in the wilderness and he requires that the covenant be reestablished. And here at Gilgal, they reconnect to the covenant they have with God. And the purpose of that reconnection wasn't just to reconnect. There was a much deeper underlying reason that was there. And if you don't finish reading the chapter, you'll never understand why that covenant was important. But as Joshua listened and he obeyed, and the stigma of Egypt was removed off of them, as a result, if you go down to the end of the chapter, 
it starts saying, God says to Joshua, actually it wasn't God. Joshua sees a man with a sword drawn. And he's terrified. And he says, are you in peace or war? And the man or the angel replies, I am the captain of God's host. And he had his sword drawn. See, I promise to give you a land you don't have to fight for. Because my army is going to march through this place and my army is going to conquer this place in ways that you won't even be able to understand. You, you won't have to do anything. My army will do this for you. As if you keep my covenant, this is what I'm going to do for you. I wonder tonight, could it be that one of the reasons we don't see some of the things we used to see or experience, could it be that we have not thought that covenant important enough to pay attention to it? See, the Old Testament covenant didn't end. It was completed. And the new covenant now starts right over there in that water. And when you go down in his name and baptism, there is a new circumcision that takes place. And it's the circumcision of a heart. He takes a scalpel and he cuts off all the sin you've ever committed in your life. And when you come up out of that water, it remains buried in that water because you have just entered into that covenant relationship. We're hearing voices today that are saying that that's not important. You don't need to do that anymore. That's not necessary. But it is necessary. Because according to the new covenant, you're not in that covenant until you've been buried in his name and baptism. And when you've been buried in his name and baptism, now you are part of his new covenant. And with that new covenant is a host of angels. Gabriel stands with a drawn sword and he says, I'll fight your battles for you. You don't have to fight the battles anymore. These battles belong to me and I will fight your battles for you because you are in my covenant. I just want you to know what kind of protection you have at your house. I'm probably going to walk into some stuff that I probably shouldn't do, but we're we're shadow boxing. We're fighting stuff that don't exist. Peter declared that the angels that left their first state are bound in chains. Jude declared the angels which left their first estate are bound in chains. 
There is no reference anywhere to them not being bound. Satan is no longer able to wreck your life. See, Jesus, because of his death on the cross and his resurrection, according to what Paul says in Corinthians, that he causes us to triumph through Christ. You don't have to win. He's already won. This is not about me. It's not about you. It's about enjoying the victory that He has already won for us that every one of us get to participate in as a result of who He is. Satan is not more powerful than Jesus Christ. He has never been more powerful than Jesus Christ. The fact is, he has never been more powerful than Adam. He is not more powerful than a human being. A Gentile who didn't know Jehovah had 6,000 devils in the New Testament. The demonic of Gadara, he had a legion. That's at least 6,000. It could be 12. He's full of devils. They've tried to kill him, but he has the power to remove himself and go to a graveyard and live so that he won't hurt anybody or affect anybody or cause anybody else's life chaos. So he removes himself until Jesus shows up and then Jesus freed him from the devils that were in him. We're... We're listening to voices that want to think, cause us to think they're really spiritual. And they've created these wars that are not happening. So they go to books that are not in the Bible to bring up and create all these orders of devils that don't even exist because Satan's just a fallen angel. He's nothing more than a fallen angel. And God created angels for one reason. And the scripture says they are ministering spirits. God created angels to minister to us. Voices can tell you other stories that don't match the word of God. And Paul said, if somebody comes preaching something that appears to be like this, it it literally translates running on a parallel track. They appear to be, because parallel lines look like they come together. The optical illusion of railroad track, there's a point down there where they meet, but they don't. He said, "If, if 
If someone comes preaching a gospel alongside the one I am pre- that's that's parallel to what I'm preaching to you, and, and, and it never intersects, don't follow them. Don't listen to them. That voice will only cause you chaos. The Word of God is the voice of God. You know what God likes? It's in the book. You want to know what God don't like? Read Revelations. It's the only place God said, I don't like this. Part of that is chasing after Balaam. And Balaam's one of these people who's fighting spiritual battles that don't exist. The Bible says... Resist, resist, and he'll argue with you. He'll say, who are you? Resist the devil and and you're going to have war all day long. Is that what it says? It says, resist the devil and he will. Flee from you. That's an absolute. That's not a possibility. When you say devil get lost. He has to say okay what direction. But we've let stuff start happening. I have no idea why I'm doing this tonight. Somebody does. Because somebody's been talking to you about... You need to anoint all the doors at your house and, and all the windows at your house and anoint your kid. Hello? When did the devil become more powerful than Jesus? And, and to Joshua, he said, I, you you got to see something. When, when, when Joshua had the encounter and he did what God asked, then he sees the captain of the Lord's host and he's got his sword drawn and he's ready for battle. There, there's a statement I found that, that's really quite shocking. It's written by a person by the name of A.W. Tozer. And the statement says, before the Christian church goes into eclipse anywhere, there must first be the corrupting of her simple, basic theology. She simply gets the wrong answer to the question, what is God like? You want your life going down the wrong path? Then don't know how to answer that question. What is God like? Who is He? See, man, because of of his intellect and his thinking he's really smart, has tried to define God. And he's come up with all kinds of things about what God is to the point that they created a doctrine they can't even explain 
And so they state that it's a mystery that's not explainable and we just believe it by faith. It's, it's just a mystery. God revealed to some people after the apostles more about himself than they knew. And, and so this new mystery about God is, see, when you, you start trying to use your intellect to figure out who God is, you're going to get really messed up. You don't know who God is? Get your nose in the book. The, the book says he's a jealous God. The book says that he passes the sins of the father to the third and fourth generations. The book declares, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not humans. It's not James's. It's not anybody else's. It belongs to him. And he will never tolerate one of us stepping into that arena. See, I've got to discover what is God like? Who is he? Is he mean? Is he out to get me? Is he out to wreck my life? Is he out to destroy me? Or is his desire that I have the greatest life possible? You see... The problem with Jericho, why, why was God so harsh with Jericho? Why? Why did God say of Jericho, you destroy the whole place? And then Joshua cursed that anybody that rebuilt it would be cursed. And a gentleman tried by the name of and his firstborn and his lastborn died as a result of him trying to rebuild Jericho because God said it was a curse why? oh let me read you some of the characteristics some of the new discoveries of, of recent years archaeologists have uncovered text from the Ugarit and and in it, it talks about Jericho and some of the characteristics of Jericho. See, Jericho was a city of idols. It wasn't only a city of idols, but it was also a city of religious prostitution. It was a city of sodomy a city of bestiality, city of sorcery, but it was also a city of child sacrifice. Our world today is trying to cram all this stuff right down our throats and make us... I heard repeatedly today, getting out of my car, getting back in my car, going from one place, get back in, and it's the same stuff talked by three different people about what's happening in our world. And then I opened my computer, and, and there it is on the news on my laptop that,
What pronoun are you going to go by? So now they've created new pronouns. C and whatever you want to call yourself, that's what you are. See, that's Jericho. That's exactly what was happening in Jericho. And Jericho was influencing. It wasn't conquering anybody. It just wanted to challenge their thought process. They thought they were intellectuals and they wanted to use philosophy to, to get people to listen to them and pay attention to them and, and, and hear their reasoning. And they just wanted people to be impressed. Look, we, we built a, a, a 30 foot tall tower here in, in the middle of our city. But what's its purpose? Well, it gives us shade. That's its only purpose. Don't help us to protect people. Don't protect our children. Don't protect our city and the walls of the city. They won't hold an army. Soldiers couldn't get on top to defend it. It's not big enough. It's just so that when people go by, they think, oh, wow, look at them. Look what they've done. See, God's not looking for a church that's got the attitude of look what we've done. Greater life better never develop that attitude of look at what we've done, look at what we've accomplished. This is not about us. This is not about anything we've done. What's happened here is because of what he's done, not what we've done. It's, it's not about our intellect. It's not about our, our intellectual powers and abilities to convince people of, of why things are the way they are. See, Jericho's always going to be in competition with commitment. It's always going to be in competition with covenant. Jericho's always going to arise in every generation because the Word of God declares in Acts, the second chapter, shortly after Acts 2.38, He said, save yourself from this untoward. That scolios is the word. We get our word scoliosis from it. It, it means crooked, twisted, or warped generation. If you read the book of Revelations... And you look at what God says He doesn't like about each of those seven churches. And then you read their history. You'll discover that everything God said I don't like were characteristics of the city they were living in. Laodicea, thou art rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And somewhere around 78 80 A.D., Laodicea had a massive earthquake that nearly destroyed the entire city. Rome heard about the earthquake because Laodicea had become a Roman state. They swore allegiance to Rome. They paid their taxes. There was no soldier stationed in Laodicea. Rome didn't send anybody there. Because they voluntarily wanted to become part of Rome. So the Senate gets together and they vote 
that we need to help them. They've paid taxes. They've been supporting. They've had this horrible thing take place. So we need to let them know that we want to help them any way we can, however much money they need, if they'll just let us know. We'll be glad to help them. So they send a messenger to Laodicea. And when the elders of the city received the message, their response was, go back and thank the Senate and Caesar and tell them that we're incredibly thankful for their offer. But we've got enough money and power to do this ourselves. So they refused any help that they could have gotten from Rome because they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And unfortunately, in my travels of America, that's a major attitude I see in the churches all over America today. We are rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. You know, I, I, I remember as a kid when we were poor and our, our churches weren't in the best part of town. I, I remember all kinds of things took place at church. I, I remember being carried to church sick, 100 plus fever. They didn't take, keep me home. They just, we came to church. That anoint us with oil. Many, many times God healed us. A few times He didn't, but I was still at church, sick or well. But the voices of our world is telling us that you really don't need any help. You can, you can do this on your own. And the more independent we become, and Unfortunately, I have no political aspirations, don't want any, so. Unfortunately, it's become one of our bragging rights as the United Pentecostal Church. We're autonomous, and nobody's going to tell us what to do. So we've let our world start affecting us. And Gilgal is being affected by Jericho. Child sacrifice? Well, what's the difference between that and abortion? What's the difference? That child's being sacrificed for pleasure that nobody has to take ownership of. So they can go out and, and, and have all the pleasure they want and, may, and maybe a kid happens as a result of their pleasure. So now we can just kill the kid. And so we're fighting and Pentecostals get irritated when someone dares address the fact that it's wrong. Well, there's no scripture. Oh, yes, there is. I am fearfully and wonderfully created, made 
And in your book, you wrote all my members when as yet there was none of them. The only time that happens is at the instant of conception because shortly thereafter one cell becomes two, then four, then eight, then 16, then 32, then 64, then 128, then 256, and 512. It just keeps doubling instantly on a regular basis. And at the instant of conception, God writes the details of your life from the cradle to the grave. So how many people are going to have to answer for the life they sacrificed that God already wrote in His book all the details of their life before we didn't even know who they were. But our world said, not even a big deal. So who are we listening to? What voices are affecting our lives? I come from a different world than you guys came from. I, 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 I was taught to obey my pastor. My senior year at HBU, February, pastor points his finger at me. And I yeah. He said, hang around, he talked to you. Okay. Hour later, after everybody's gone, because everybody had talked to him too, so we, we waited that hour, hour and a half. Finally, he said, uh, Brother Hughes, I've been praying. And it's the will of God. We start a Christian school. I said, Brother Cure, that's incredible. I think that's a great idea. And he said, yes, and you're going to start it. <laughs> now, I didn't think that. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, are you really sure? Yes. I went to work the next day and resigned. Wow. In a hospital quarter, 1989. He said, Brother Hughes, people have problems we can't answer. We don't know how to help them. You need to go back to school and figure out how we can help people. I said, are you sure? Wow. Yeah. Yes, sir. You need to do that. It's okay. So I did. So whose voice are you listening to? What kind of voice are you listening to? Voices can destroy you. Voices can tell you things that, that are not going to make your life better. They're going to wreck your life. Because there's always going to be a Jericho. And Jericho's want everybody to see how important they are. Look, look, look what we've done. Look at all these things we've created. You've got to be impressed with our creativity. Well, what's the function as well? What, but isn't it pretty? Would it, would it keep an army out? Well, no. Aren't, aren't you worried about an army? No, we, they, we've never been attacked up to this time, so 
But to Joshua, the captains with his sword said, I am the captain of the Lord's host. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. You remember what you're feeling when you're in my presence. But I've been sent for one reason. I, I didn't come to get you. I, I, I was sent. If you hadn't obeyed, then I would have had to brought the judgment of God on you and Israel. But because you obeyed, I will now be your protector. I will now go before you. And I will fight your battles. I will fight the enemies that arise in your life. I, I, I will fight anything that stands up and, and tries to destroy. I will take care of you. So, so Gideon can take 300 men and never lift a sword with just glass lamps or, or oil lamps with glass on them and simply break them and an army destroy each other as a result. And three lepers can march into a camp and the sound of those three men can be amplified by the captain of the Lord's host to the point that everybody there thinks it's this incredible army coming after them and they turn on each other and the whole army destroys each other. Why? Well, whose voice you listening to? If you listen to his voice, if you listen to his voice, then the Lord's going to walk before you and the battles you won't have to fight. Okay, I'm going to make everybody in this room uncomfortable. You gotta quit looking at the ground in front of you. And you gotta look up and see where you're going and what's happening next. Some men in this church need to get a vision of where we're going and what happens next. Because You've already outgrown your building. Sunday proved that. So where are we going next? Have you seen the angel with the sword? It doesn't matter what obstacles are around. See, there's a piece of property that yeah, that, that's been defiant, that that'll never be a church. But if just three men bound together, they can put 100,000 men to flight. And if four men bound together, they can put a million men to flight. And if five men bound together, they can put five million to flight. So. Where? What voices are we listening to? What's next? Where are we going? What's happening? 
It has to be all of us rallying together. So you know what? We we got to start looking. We got we got to start talking. Wow! What? How are we going to go about doing this? What? Where to next? Well, we we can look at all the obstacles. The question is, are you in the covenant relationship? If you are, have you seen that angel yet? If you've seen that angel, then, then you'll march into hell with a water pistol and conquer the place. See, the fact is, every one of us have the ability to get up every day and say, Jesus, what part of the devil's territory would you like rearranged today? Would you just point me in that direction? I would like to cause him as much chaos as possible because I don't even have to find. I, all I've got to do is find what you're looking at and, and what your desire is, and you'll walk in there and fight that battle and conquer it for me. So why? Because you promised to give us the land. Your promise is that you're going to protect us. You're going to be with us. And, and that this is our land. Yeah. Don't let Jericho get your eyes off of the 12 stones that somebody built Amen. to remind you of what God's desire is for our lives. Please stand. Gracious Father, I thank you today for the incredible detail of your word. I thank you for every story that's written there, for all of those things that you saw important enough to have your writers record because under your inspiration, your word was written by holy men of old that were moved on by your spirit. So they recorded the stories that we need to hear so that we could get through the day that we live in. Jesus, I, I pray today that we as your children would discover how to listen to your voice and allow your spirit to lead us and to direct us and to guide us because it is your spirit that has conquered the enemy and he is under your feet. You have conquered Satan. He is now a conquered foe and as a result, we have the ability to have a victorious life. We have the ability to live a life greater than we could ever comprehend or understand. Thank you today for your incredible word and its power to affect my life and to change my life. I worship you today, Jesus. I worship you today, Jesus. I worship you today, Jesus. I need to ask my question again. Has God been good to anybody here? Who's he been the best to? Let him show you that vision of the captain of the Lord's host so that your life won't have to be one of chaos or, or fear or any of those things because he's already won the battle.